Bears. Let's open our hearts to receive the word through prayer. God, we have just sung that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a guide unto our path. Uh, We have sung about the different situations in which we must and need to look to you. And we are so grateful that in your design of what it would mean to be a church, there was the sharing of the word together, uh, that this book has been put together for us through the leading of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray now, as we continue to hear this word from the sermon of the early church, that we will be encouraged as you would encourage us, Holy Spirit, convicted as you would convict us, Holy Spirit. And may we find Jesus, the pioneer, our great high priest. May we see Jesus in what we hear and what we see and what we receive today from this, your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm just going to read again the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 1, and then we'll go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, which is our sermon text for today. So remember, this is how the home run sermon from Hebrews begins. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all, three, of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And of course, we know that this is the good news of Jesus Christ. So now we go to Hebrews chapter 4, remembering all of the things that we have just heard about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, that is Jesus, no creature is hidden But all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who, in every respect, has been tested as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Does anybody have a sword at their house? 
this is a this is a picture that we have to think a little bit more about and perhaps draw upon what we've seen on TV to really get the sense of what is being said here. But I think we get it, right? I think we get the power of it. So Jesus is the one through whom God has spoken so clearly and completely through. Long ago, we heard in parts, but then God spoke completely in the Son. And then the preacher goes on to say, and we have been given this active word, the living word of God, through the Holy Spirit's work that continues to speak the complete message of Jesus Christ that continues to point us to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that continues to be God with us wherever we go, that the living word of God continues to be God's message and revealing of himself to us, that it is not only the life and death and resurrection, and ascension of Jesus that tells the story of God, but this book, too, that tells the story of God. This book that God uses to divide soul from spirit. This book that God uses to divide joints from marrow. This book that God uses to judge our thoughts and to use by God, when we have been laid bare before him for our transformation more and more into his glory and honor. This is the book that God uses through the Holy Spirit to speak the words of Christ to us. This is the book that gives us the story of Christ who is the beginning and end of all things and through whom all things were made, who is the one, who is the one, who is the one. Amen. But to divide soul from spirit, what does that even mean? Is that even possible? Well, God says it is. I think our lectionary text from the Gospels gives us the picture of what this looks like. And so I invite you to listen to this story from Mark chapter 10. As Jesus was setting on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the man said to Jesus, Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when the man heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, 
for he had many possessions. So Jesus talks to this man who calls him good teacher, knowing that good teacher is the description of God himself. And the man says, I have kept all of the commandments that you have just shared with me. I have a spirit of righteousness. I do what is right. And with his words, Jesus cuts to the soul of trust. He says, you lack one thing. Your treasure will be, he promises him treasure, this thing that seems to be so important to the rich man, right? Your treasure will be, so sell it, then come and follow me. And yet the man cannot give up his earthly treasure. The man cannot trust in the words that have been spoken to him by Jesus who speaks them with love, who sees and knows the true interior of the rich man's heart, who sees that, yes, this man has lived a life that, on appearance, looks devoted to the good things of God. And yet, at the core, he has not clung to the confession of his Savior but has stead trusted in what he can do for himself. And when he's asked to let go of all that he has accomplished on his own and trust that God will give him more treasure to enjoy in eternity, he walks away sad because he cannot let go. So Jesus, with his words, judges this man's heart and judges in the sense that he sees what is true. And with his words, he cuts the joint from the marrow. With his words, he cuts the soul from the spirit and invites this man to be transformed. He invites this man to true wholeness He invites this man to a way of life and following him. He does what Hebrews describes God as continuing to do with this book, with his living spirit, with the story and life of Jesus as Jesus continues to be the one whom we seek to follow. Jesus says, How difficult it is, my children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And as disciples who have watched this play out in this gospel story, have watched this man talk to Jesus, they say to one another, like, then who? Who can be saved? And Jesus says, For mortals, it is impossible. For you and me, it's impossible. But for God, all things are possible. For God, all things 
are possible. For God, all kinds of transformations and healings and bringing us to wholeness is possible because the living word is active. Because the living word continues to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. The loving God who spoke. And Hebrews reminds us the loving God who put his proverbial money where his mouth was and came and did it for us. How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God because here is the truth, people of God. We don't enter the kingdom of God on our own. The kingdom of God comes to us. Jesus' first words in ministry were, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus delivers the kingdom of God to us. And then we follow the pioneer of salvation into that kingdom. Pioneer of salvation, that picture that we were given of Jesus last week. We follow Jesus who is our great high priest, Hebrew says. Our great high priest who has passed through the heavens. And we know that he has not just passed through the heavens once, but he has actually passed through the heavens twice. Wants to come down. Because of the grace of God, I am, Tom Long told us last week. Wants to come down, and he has now ascended. And it is in this place of glory by the majesty of God, our creator, that he sits because of the loving sacrifice that he made, brought so much glory and honor, revealed so much of what God is to this world that he would be honored and revered forever because of it. This is the picture that Hebrews continues to paint for us, that Jesus, our great high priest, who came because of the grace of God and is now given the seat of honor because of his love, is the one to whom we give our account, is the one to whom all things are already laid bare because Jesus is the beginning and the end of all things. Because we are the gifts of God to Jesus himself. We are his possession. And so he already knows all of these things about us. He knows our sins. He knows our sufferings. He knows the things that we try to hide from the world. He knows the things that we don't even know that other people see about us. And he says, because of the grace of God, I am. And I have come with the kingdom. So follow me. He sees all of those things. And with his word, he reveals to us where our soul and our spirit is divided. The things that we have held back. The things that speak of our trust. And whether or not we cling to the confession of his power and his grace. Or still hold on to what we can do for ourselves. The preacher describes the two-edged sword that cuts. And he says that before Jesus, all things are laid bare. And we're actually meant to get a picture with the sword about being laid bare. 
that in fact that word for laid bare is this picture of the executioner who has come and has pulled our heads back so that our necks are revealed for the blow of the sword. That this word of God has laid us bare to the power of God. And yet we know that it is not a power that is meant to slay us. It is a power meant to heal us. It is a power meant to give us life. It is a power meant to have us experience the kingdom of God in the here and now and not just wait for the promise of eternity. That Jesus, when he said, I have come to give life and give life abundantly, that there are things in us that must die for that abundance to come. For us to know the kingdom of God is to put an end to a kingdom of ourselves. I watched a documentary uh, this week about a mass grave that was found in England. And it's believed to have been a mass grave of Vikings who had raided in southern England. And they had been ambushed and caught off guard. And so 50 plus Viking warriors were brought up to this hill to be executed. And they weren't executed from behind because they were Vikings who wanted to go seek their death and honor and boldness. And so they met their executioners face to face. And they could tell this from the way that the sword had cut from bone and marrow. The way that the sword had cut, they could tell that these guys had faced their executioners with boldness. And then we read in Hebrews chapter 4, which we have heard multiple times today, that we approach God with that same kind of boldness. Because we approach a throne of grace. Because we know when we seek and approach that throne, we are not approaching our death sentence. But we are approaching the one who has given us life. We are approaching the one who has already died for us. We are approaching the one who has promised and proven that he understands all of it and was without sin. That we have followed Jesus, the great high priest who is always welcome in the presence of God, and who himself had the word of God pierce him, who himself had those testings of soul and spirit and never found them divided. of Jesus who in the garden turned his will and obedience over to the Father, of Jesus who in the desert, tempted by the evil one, spoke the truth of Scripture and was obedient to not his, his kingdom as a man, but to the kingdom 
of God. To Jesus who prayed the Psalms, who spent time alone in prayer and in community. To Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And if this is our confession, if we truly believe all of these things to be true of Jesus Christ, then we come with boldness to the throne of grace. We come with boldness to receive God's healing, his forgiveness, his peace. We come with boldness to receive whatever it is that our Savior wants to give to us. We come with boldness, trusting, trusting, trusting in him. That story of the rich ruler who walks away and then Jesus starts talking to his disciples about what they have witnessed and and he says to them that all things are possible in God causes Peter to look at Jesus and say, look, we've left everything to follow you. We've left everything to follow you. And perhaps Peter, in that boldness, is inviting Jesus to say, what else needs to go in us? Because we're going to keep following you. And perfectly, yes, but what else needs to go, Jesus? Because look, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus promises, all of those who follow me. Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So shall we start to give our account now before the throne of God? Shall we go with the boldness of one who trusts that whatever we share has already been laid bare to the God who knows and sees all things? Shall we hold fast to the confession that we truly do believe that in Christ Jesus all things hold together and that he truly works all things together for his good? Amen. So let's pray together. So we, your people, Confess, O God, that we need your word to be lively and active and powerful. May the power of your word enable us to look beyond our own faults or beyond the faults of others long enough to recognize our own faults, to recognize the places that you are trying to show us that you have cut between spirit and soul. Reveal to us the places of our brokenness that we are clinging to instead of letting you transform. Because nothing is hidden from you, O God. 
And so we ask that you help us to see ourselves as you see us. Because here we are, God, with our faults and our failures. We have come confidently to your throne of grace because Jesus Christ is our great high priest and he has gone before us and we follow the pioneer of our salvation. And so in his name, we ask that you forgive us, you cleanse us, and you heal us. And all God's people said, Amen.